0: Welcome back to the podcast most well known for ranking higher than Consumer Reports podcast on iTunes. Wait, really? We are the Poor Pearl's Almanac.
1: We're like the Consumer Reports, but for agroecology.
0: The Permi Reports, and the answer is always no, and don't, don't take that PDC.
2: Ever. Nope.
0: Exactly. So today we're talking about the zoo theory, which I've just found out through memes about aliens and elliot has been advocating for this before i knew there was a name for it that we're just like the freak zoo for aliens to go like sneer and just laugh at us so elliot how does it feel to know that you are not alone there's a whole theory behind your your belief system
2: i mean listen my wife will hate to admit this but one of my favorite things to hear is you were right so thank you (laughs) thank you for that
0: I didn't say you were right. I just said you weren't alone. It's so Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're not saying
0: this is correct. It's a
2: sound theory, and you read the other ones, and they all sound dumb. And mine's...
1: I mean, it's the truth. I don't know what else to tell you. We're living in a fishbowl.
0: We're living in a fishbowl. The
1: question is, is the zoo just the Earth, or does it extend... Like, is it the solar system? Is it, like, this corner of the galaxy? You know, like, how big does the zoo
0: get? Yeah, like, are black holes really just... The submarine, like windows, to get in. I don't know submarine <laughs> windows. You don't open. I guess that's a terrible metaphor, but you know what I mean.
2: Well, I mean, if you guys want to get technical, a lot of the galaxies out there are binary systems. They have two stars, and so we are pretty unique in the fact that we only have one star in our galaxy. So maybe it is just a, an experiment or something. I don't know.
0: And that brings us to our question.
1: Well, we're alone in the universe.
0: Are we alone in the universe? Lonely star. Lonely Star Universe. You know what else has a Lonely Star? That one one one-star review that we have? Uh, Yeah, that was for comments on vegetarians. (laughs) So that doesn't count. It was worth it, okay? I thought it was funny. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we, we do have one star on iTunes. But if you're listening to this and you enjoy the show otherwise, please... Give us a review, a five star, preferably. We we generally prefer the five stars, but like a four is cool too. And speak your truth. Yeah, speak, you know? speak your truth. Tell us
1: what. How, tell us how you really feel.
0: Yes. Um, so wait,
2: wait. You never answered my question. Are we really ranked higher than Consumer Reports on iTunes?
0: We are. Fun fact: We are more important in the scope of podcasting than Consumer Reports.
2: I mean, I I can't I, put I it just, on
0: the resume, Elliot. I
1: don't believe you, but Google it. I, I'm, yeah, I might have on, to. On the resume, I'm just going to put pop greater than consumer reports Yep.
0: and leave it at that. Take That's it. that. I I'm am not, quality assurance. It's going
1: to be underlined in bold so they ask about it. It's like a bigger <laughs> font than everything else on there.
0: <laughs> Can't find your phone number. It's fine. All you need to know is right there. Just, Just look for me. You'll find me. So today we are talking about one of my favorite things honestly on the entire planet. Do you know what that is, Matt?
2: I bet you going to say it's interesting. Mm,
0: You know what? Can't think. Now that I've heard myself say interesting, I can't not hear myself say interesting. But today is actually a very interesting subject to talk about. And it's the top bar hive. Top bar. So that raises the obvious question. What makes it so top? So many bar. Oh,
1: Elliot, just sidebar for a second is is Andy having a stroke right now? Is the, have the memes like gotten into like a bad part of his brain?
2: I think so, but the only way to the only way to tell is if you ask him if he smells toast.
0: So I I'll be honest, I only think in memes now, and that's that is what social media does to your brain. Like remember the don't do drugs commercials where like a dude would be like a a pancake on the couch? That's me except it's memes running through my brain. Like I think in SpongeBob memes. It's terrible. Your brain is now an egg in the frying pan. It is, or on the sidewalk, because then it gets like nasty too. Interesting. <laughs> so, anyways,
1: let's uh, let's get so into. So I'm just the... thinking of throwing an egg on the sidewalk, like
0: now, not like
1: where it would cook on the sidewalk, but just like freeze and stay there for the next month.
0: I mean, it'll it'll cook eventually. It might be like June, but you know, <laughs> it ferment first. Yeah, let it get nice and. I'm I'm sure there's like an ancient recipe that explains fermented chicken egg. Uh, they're, is... they're they're duck eggs, and it's Chinese. Okay, yeah, isn't it century eggs?
2: Uh, yeah, thousand year old eggs or whatever. See, I didn't them. even have to make it
0: up. It exists. Everything yep. exists. Sure, it there's does. A, there's a niche,
2: and they look black. And I don't know how you get around to eating it. No comment. It's a like it looks like it's a black egg. Like I don't know how you like I don't I don't know I don't know, man. I won't knock it till I try it, but it's interesting.
0: So what you're saying is, if we increase our patrons, you're gonna go eat go eat one thousand year old eggs? I'll give it yeah. a shot. Sure. How much are they? I gotta imagine they're not cheap. I mean,
1: I think I aged for like three years. Not. I think that's just what they called. I mean, we need to look this up. It's still this a long time. Is
0: pertinent information for our top bar hive w- conversation. Way off topic. Has nothing to do with bees. Bees don't lay eggs. They do. I mean, the queen lays
1: eggs. Several weeks to several months. I mean, yeah, they do lay like just just one bee lays eggs.
0: Yes, it's a very important bee that lays eggs. Elliot, Matt, how much do these things cost?
1: The, I, it's it's several weeks to several months, so the the, the takes to the process them.
0: So like a duck egg is like three two bucks an egg, so like probably like twenty bucks an egg. We can swing mm. twenty bucks an egg for for Elliot to eat one.
1: Six pieces, uh,
0: $5.45. Yeah, I got it. A- totally can do that. Yep, I got a 12-piece here for 16 bucks. All right, so next live stream, that's what we're doing, making LED eat these.
1: Oh, God. Raw okay, okay. I'm, I'll you do it. You would want to try one?
0: Me? I'm, I'd try one.
1: I would try one. Okay. I'm, I'm kinda, I am kind of. feel like they would taste good.
2: I think the worst part's going to be open it's in the package. It's got to taste
0: good or they wouldn't sell it.
2: The worst part's got to be open in the package. I can't imagine it smells anywhere close to, like... Good.
0: It it might be like a fermented, like a kimchi kind of smell.
2: Yeah, that doesn't smell good. It tastes good, but you can't tell me it smells good.
0: It's just got like that funk, you know?
2: Yeah, like something dyed in an enclosed, (laughs) oxygen-free. It's called anaerobic digestion. Yeah, something digested before I'm going to digest it.
0: Wait, so what were we talking about?
2: We're talking about top bar
0: hives, dude. We got off topic. All right. So last week we talked about Langstroth hives, which are the predominant hives across the country, primarily because, you know, they work really well for industrial beekeeping. It's not really about the bees, uh, as that episode probably made pretty clear to you. Now, number two, and like, we're, we're talking about number two the way, like, I don't know, you talk about something that's very further down than number one but it's still number two technically, that's top bar hives. like 80% and I'm not actually accurate about that number. I did not look this up and I should have. Uh, Like 80% of people use like the Langstroth hives, like 20% or less use top bar hives. So even though they're very far down, they are number two and we definitely should not be sleeping on them.
1: Yeah, you get stung that way.
0: No, not like literally sleep on them. I mean- It's a thing we used to say when we millennials were young, Matt. Yeah, he was fucking with you, though. Is
2: he? All
0: right, I'm ignoring all of this. So let's talk top bars. It's basically like a Langstroth hive, but if it were just like one medium and it was like super long.
2: Okay, so yeah, it's the same thing, except it's completely different based Exactly, off of, based off of what you just said,
0: yeah. Yes, 100%. There you go. So there are a few – it's like the Democrats and the Republicans. It's like the same thing, but completely different. Like the certain things are completely different, but otherwise it's basically the same thing.
2: I, so th- I actually understood that. Holy shit.
0: <laughs> so there's a few obvious benefits this brings. Thinking about the problems with the Langstroth, right? So the first is that we don't have to deal with the issues of rotating mediums around like some weird game of musical chairs when we want to like expand the hive. Obviously less movement, less angry bees. Better for sleeping on. Matt.
1: Look, okay, until you set up your sleeping pad on the beehive, I don't want to hear another word. Andy. Right. So so top bar hives <laughs> are,
0: are also better for retaining heat. This, Don't is say it.
1: this is what i'm saying
0: this is what i'm saying it could be
1: what's, fun what's the r value of that beehive it's gotta <laughs> be it's gotta be good
0: yeah uh, it might be um you know the thing to keep in mind is like you might want to insulate the top so you might not get much of that Anyways. yeah with the,
1: with your body with... <laughs>
0: Yes. So anyways, uh remember in the winter they're usually in their like little cluster the bees. So they're not going to like go into the top parts of the hive if they don't have to, but the heat is rising. But in this case what that does is the same way like lower ceilings in your house, so like if anyone lives in a house from the 70s during the like energy crisis, all the ceilings are like wicked low compared to like every other time period where houses were built it's because it helps keep the heat it rises but then it stops at the top right and a hive that's tall and skinny yes it's efficient in the sense like you're not heating a wide space and the heat stays in it for a longer period of time but it's rising further up uh, and the bees aren't using all of that space so you're dropping those ceilings retains the heat closer to where the bees are
1: so we're at the like passive bee home stage of what like
0: greenwashing hive design I mean, something like that. Yeah. So we we've talked about the importance of having deep frames as being a critical, underappreciated component to successful beekeeping and top bar hives are much easier to incorporate this in this really important feature. Deep supers for like a traditional Langstroth hives are less than 10 inches while most top bars can incorporate up to a 12 inch deep frame and many times even more. People typically recommend 12 inches or less for fear the frame will become, like, too heavy or weak. And, like, that definitely, like, you could have a frame break. But it's not really hard to just build them, like, slightly heavier duty.
2: Yeah, so you can pull them out individually. So even at 12 inches, um, it's still less than a quarter of the weight of pulling a medium off of a hive, making it easier to remove than a medium itself.
0: Shit, man, look at you.
2: I'm listening. I've been listening. You don't think
0: I've been listening? Of course not.
1: Wait, wait, you can't hit all those double negatives. You
0: think he's not listening? Totally listening. Look at that face, so stern. And deep thought, shining like a Nubian king.
1: Alright, you made it weird.
0: No, no. Keep going. No, I think, I think I'm done. But you know what else is black? Okay, Elliot. you can stop now. The black hole we slip into to run these ads through your eardrums straight from the aliens goodbye world goodbye world hey folks thanks for listening this is andy from the poor pearls almanac hopefully you're enjoying the podcast so far and right now i'm talking to you from a commercial in a poor pearls almanac podcast i'm sure you're enjoying the show and maybe even enjoying some of our ridiculous ads We are able to keep our episodes ad-free and keep the lights on here because of support from listeners like you. If you think we're adding valuable perspective to the subjects of agriculture, ecology, climate change, and politics, then please consider giving us some support on Venmo, Ko-Fi, Patreon, or PayPal, all of which can be found at our website, poorpols.com. Please don't make me go to Jeff for money. Jeffrey,
1: Basil. Jeffrey Jeffrey. 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 Jeff. Jeffrey. Jeffrey Basil.
0: Hello, world. <laughs> Welcome back. We're still the Poor pearl's Almanac. The aliens did not abduct us, and we're uh, we're still talking bees.
2: Yeah, we're still poor, and I've apparently freshly probed.
0: i i wasn't gonna say anything but you looked like you'd been freshly probed like i could see it your skin is just like flush
1: you have a whole new way about you dude it's got this weird three dot
2: mark i can't explain on the inside of my thigh
0: (laughs) it's like the hoobastank symbol but like extra yeah kinda (laughs) yeah that sweet (laughs) sweet let's just go with that all right so what are we what are we talking about what are we talking about okay so, what are we doing here so we're going to we're going to talk about top bar hives right and they're uh they're extra large box size so like
1: wait are we talking like a, like a twin like queen size no i mean it can not be a king size
2: like right? california not king only queen size for bees <laughs> duh
0: <laughs> obviously they only get queen so the thing about top bar hives and why they're not used for commercial beekeeping is that they're just like really large. They hold large frames, they have large footprints, and they're just like really big. And uh, for the bees, that that's pretty good. It allows them to develop and expand throughout the season without all the necessary Langstroth things. For me, I, I tend to think about checking on them just once in a while and see if they need frames, and that's about it.
1: In all seriousness, I'm getting the impression that, like, top bar hives uh, are a lot less standardized compared to the, like, whole Langstroth system.
0: Yeah, they kind of are. Langstroths usually got, like, three box sizes, really two when you're looking at 90% of the people using them. (laughs) Really, really one? (laughs) Today, about 80% of the Langstroth hives are exclusively mediums. Deeps were really common in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s and 90s, but they've really kind of fallen off but I do hope they make a comeback because of the reasons we've already been talking about. And then there's shallows which are still fairly uncommon but are usually for like people that are trying to get a quick like extra bit of honey right before the season if they think there's going to be a big like bloom of something. So top bars have a lot of diversity but it's not like this. It's not really standardized like this. And that's because they're more commonly built as like DIY projects, which like my own hive which is a DIY project based on some uh, examples I've seen from other people. And uh, the fact that you can build it, like I think you can build a Langstroth, but I think it's, in my opinion, it's really intimidating because of the spacing. I think having the ability to build these on your own offers some really good benefits in terms of reducing the cost and allowing for things like better insulatory improvements in construction versus like trying to retrofit a Langstroth, which is... Really, really hard because of the way you're basically building a box on the outside of a box because you need the insides to still be the exact same. And like that comes with its own challenges. And, you know, it, it can be a lot for somebody that's never been around construction.
2: Yeah. So if I Google top bar high for sale, I have to know exactly what I want specifically in terms of dimension, like weight, materials, and all of that. I mean, that seems kind of daunting, but where would I start if I wanted to? to jump into this
0: so there are more popular ones like it's not just like a free-for-all right and um you'll mostly be fine with whatever you choose like obviously people have pers like their own personal opinions on things but like most of them you'll be fine the one that's pretty popular is called the golden mean hive it's a pretty threatening sort of name but also not right like it's golden but it's mean you know it it's like It's like smiling while it stabs you. Oh, isn't that a good thing? No, or is that worse? No, I'm not sure. No,
1: that would be worse. That's like I'm imagining like a clown now.
0: You're right. It's like the clown hive. That's what we should be calling it, not the golden mean hive. Like, like the it hive.
1: (laughs) I don't. I don't think they're gonna take to that rebrand. You, You don't
0: think? I think it'd sell really well. I'm not sure what you're talking about.
1: You're calling
2: it mean, like like a mean person, but like not mean, like average.
0: It is the average, yes. So the golden mean hive is actually built using the golden mean ratio.
1: Ratioed. <laughs> <laughs> so like a like a pentagon. Yeah, I don't trust anything that's related to the pentagon. Not the pentagon, a pentagon.
2: Yeah, all pentagons are the pentagon, dude. Wake oh up, wake
0: up. Okay, so this pentagon is based on that ratio that people make memes of. So you're talking about like, you know, the, the weird circle thing that's in a lot of memes that's like a, a spiral that people put on like copy bars and shit like that?
2: Yeah, I know the internet's super, a super strange place, but I feel like you find like the weirdest parts of the internet.
0: I mean, it's not me. It's like our listeners. So the point is that the the shape is based on this ratio, and B seems to like it a lot, or at least like their advocates claim that's the case.
2: Yeah, that sounds made up or like some Illuminati B shit, B bullshit. Told you it's not the Pentagon. (laughs) You keep saying that, but it doesn't mean I'm going to start believing it.
1: More like be leaving
0: it. Ha Andy, do you see what you did? I, oh, God. What's happening to me? I'm creating in my image. It's beautiful. So the point is that everyone has their own way of kind of like figuring out what they think is the best size for a top bar hive. As far as I'm concerned, as long as it's deep enough for your climate, which is at least 12 inches uh, for most of the U.S., and they have some space beneath to deal with moisture from the winter, and you can like insulate them somehow, you're going to be good. The insulation is really just bonus points. If you buy one, you probably won't get anything that really fits that. I know we've got a million projects going on right now between the podcast, the PPA Sites project the seed distribution, which I think is probably happening as this is coming out. So I'll just do a quick plug. If you're interested in getting some native seeds for free, we are sending out packets to people as they uh, request them. Check us out on Instagram, Poor Omnac or Facebook, and uh, we might be able to hook you up with some native seeds for free. Between all these things, I'm hoping that we can, like, maybe get some plans put out on some top bar designs uh, with some, like, really simple cut lists for people that want to make, like, a cheap hive and maybe even hear me out, make one for TikTok. We'll see if I can do it, kids.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if you want to help Andy not die of exhaustion, <coughs> maybe throw us a couple of bucks or cents on Patreon so maybe he can quit one of his jobs. And I know he won't heed my word, but I'm telling him to slow down. He's probably not going to, he loves making this content.
1: Honestly, I don't know. It's kind of funny to watch him go. I think he wrote this episode like 6 months ago and it's just some science experiment that went off the rails.
0: Yeah, yeah was... I I'm absolutely off the rails.
1: I remember he was mumbling,
2: <laughs> he was mumbling to himself under his breath. I think he said "fuck shark week" and then he ripped ripped <laughs> off the doorknob off the studio off the studio door while he was inside.
1: Oh my god, Week of bees. Weeks
2: of bees. <laughs> Weeks just of bees. M- months of bees. We got bee quarters coming up.
1: Oh my, oh my gosh God. yeah we got bee seasons
2: yeah speaking of rails i still don't understand why they're called top bar hives it,
0: not like you're talking about like doing rails on the bar like i didn't know we're at that seedy kind of place at this point but all right let's 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 I use be, damn well, you got a
1: lot of content to get let's use
0: that transition we'll go with it we'll go with it so top bars have bars that the bees uh build to natural hanging comb from unlike a langstroth there's no wax frames inserted the bees just build them completely from scratch. This is considered by top bar folks to be healthier, even though it means more of the bee resources are tied up making the frames instead of producing honey.
1: So how do they keep the bees from not building the comb right into the sides or the bottom of the hive? Because I feel like it'd be so hard to, you know, get the honey out.
0: Yeah, so they, they generally try not to hit the bottom or the sides. And like with a the spacing on like a Langstroth is designed with the idea of keeping the bees from producing propolis to fill the gaps in. So they, it's not that they're going to build comb all the way to the walls and everything. It's that they'll fill everything in. So it's basically like a, like a fetus, like they're a fetus inside like the embryo, right? And that's what they use the propolis for is to fill all those gaps, make it really like airtight and like their ideal conditions. So we don't actually see that issue of them wanting to build all the comb everywhere, right? They'll build it out and then it'll get pretty like tapered toward the bottom and they'll stop before they hit the bottom. And this works pretty well because then, the, you know, when you build your uh, top bar hive, it's, you've got that taper and it keeps that frame from getting too heavy. That said, this is where things get a little funky with the top bars. Some people will build their top bars with flat sides and at the same width as a Langstroth, so they can use those Langstroth deep frames. And some will even make extended deep Langstroth frames, sometimes in colder climates, especially to the depth of like 18 or even 20 inches. So what point is it no longer the top bar hive? This is my completely unqualified opinion, but I think as long as it's like technically just a horizontal hive without like another box stuck on top of it it generally gets caught in this like top bar category
2: okay that does sound a little bit complicated to my non beekeeping years but i will just go with it
0: i mean it can be as complicated as you want it to be really so let's make it you know not complicated
1: uncomplicated
0: uncomplicated okay so this is beekeeping for dummies but not the book beekeeping for dummies because that's a book that exists and is copywritten so let's set a few ground rules the first is that the deeper the hives are the better they are for wintering because basically what they'll do is they'll store the honey primarily at the top of the comb the more honey the longer they can camp out now if you remember the bees move up in the hive every day a little bit so they don't go they'll go side to side a little bit but they won't go to the side to get honey that's stored on the like directly left or right of them, right? So they're always slowly going up. So the higher honey goes up, the more reserves they have, right? Traditionally, top bars have been narrower than Langstroth, and the basis for this idea was that the narrower space more closely reflected the average interior dimensions of a tree hollow. Now, this is being challenged because it's based on the fact that we don't really have much old-growth forest left anymore, and we're, we're starting to think that this might not be the case. Now, despite this, we don't tend to see the same bee habits that we might see in a log hive when we're working in a frame, like something we framed, right? So generally, they'll use like excessive amounts of propolis to protect the inside of the hive, for example. And this would suggest that like, while the size might work for younger colonies, uh, it's not a long term ideal. And it's probably not, like I said before, fully reflecting the average dimensions of tree hollows that bees have evolved for.
2: Okay, so what I'm hearing is these bees are pretty much domesticated bees that don't, they don't really do bee business like wild bees, but they sort of make it work because that's what we give them to work with. These are like the indoor kid bees.
0: Yeah, they're not ready to be welcome to the jungle, as our friend Axel Rose says.
1: You know Axel Rose? I thought they reached their maturity at their bee mitzvah.
0: Oh, shit. Show's over. Elliot did a pun. I'm burning the list. Show's over. Goodbye, everyone. We're done here.
1: Thanks for thanks for enjoying the Paul Pearls Almanac. That was,
0: that was a good run. Right, guys. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was just trying to be part of the group.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We're back. Back. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed our little break right there. So when you're sizing out your hive, some things you want to be thinking about. First is to make sure it's big enough to, in terms of width for traditional frames if you want to go that route. And you want to make sure that they're deep enough to fit the frames that can store an appropriate amount of honey for the winter. But we should go deeper.
2: I, I'm just going to say, that's what she said. I've missed at least four opportunities this episode, and I'm I'm just getting it. I just got to get it off my chest. I'm sorry, everyone.
0: Well done. You know what time it is, Elliot? I bet you're going to tell me anyway. I mean, you're about to get canceled, but you're going to find out after this commercial. Hey, we're taking a quick break in the episode to remind you that we have free native seeds going out from our website, poorproles.com. From there, you can check out our supplemental reader for the podcast, which provides more depth and context, as well as thorough citations for the stuff we talk about on the show. If you want to support the Native Seed Project, the podcast, or the supplemental reader, you can do that through either Patreon or Substack, which you can reach through the website, poorproles.com. If you enjoy the show and are just looking for more audio content, check out Tomorrow Today, which just wrapped up season one, or tune into the Gastropocene, which is a project of myself and Dr. Aisha Khan to discuss the way our diets have driven the Anthropocene. Further, we'll talk about what it looks like to use our diets for good. Now, back to the show. Hey, Elliot.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How much deeper should we go? Uh 6 inches? Hell yeah. Well, actually 5 inches. In typical American opulence, we pretend there's an extra inch.
2: Are we still talking about bees after the commercial or or did we change topics? Do, should I hop off the call for a minute here? All joking aside, you could come right back in a minute because, I mean, that's my move anyway, so.
0: We are talking about bees, I promise, okay? Typically, beekeepers have documented significant success when having at least five inches beneath the lower entrance of the top bar hive to improve mite resistance. Basically, the mites can't climb up five. Or six. Or six inches to get back up to the bees, and they die.
1: Varroa destructor. I hardly know her. Now that is how you do a fucking pun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when the lower entrance... Come on, Andy. I I know. It was good. It was good, man. I'm very proud of you. So when the lower entrance is situated at the very bottom of the hive, the bees come into contact with the mites as they enter and exit the hive, making the colony more vulnerable to repeated infestation.
1: So the six inches is like a a buffer for the bees. It's like a mudroom, sort of, when they're going in and out. Oh, come on, Matt.
0: We're trying to keep things PG around here, Matt. Oh, Jesus. Unbelievable. I'm so sorry to the people listening to this that someone would make sex jokes on this child-friendly podcast.
2: I mean, I'm just embarrassed, really, because it wasn't me that
0: did it. You know what? Is this because of the Miyawaki episode? You know, we can't talk about what happened.
2: Yeah, haven't you done enough damage for one season? All right, all right. Andy, as you were saying, telling us about how to keep our bees clean and safe from foul things and uncouth lewd sex jokes.
0: Yeah, so let's do that. Keep things clean. So we've Ugh. made the p- <laughs> So we've made the point that keeping the bees healthy is you know the most concern because healthy bees can keep mites and disease from taking over the hive. One of the challenges, particularly in cooler, moist climates like here, is dealing with moisture buildup during the winter in particular. When the hives generate heat and they exhale air, moisture is also exhaled. And if they're doing that, the heat and the moisture trapped in it travel straight up the hive only to cool, condensate, and come back down. That's what happens when you insulate a ceiling, right? Not great for the bees.
2: I mean, cold showers are pretty great, though.
0: You keep saying that, I'm sticking with melting my skin. And uh in the case of the bees it's particularly bad because they don't have towels.
1: Okay, so I like in these episodes to sort of do a little sum up of what we've done so far, you know, sort of put the main point together of this episode and lem- just jump in if I'm wrong, I'm you're saying we need to invest in teeny tiny bee towels. Well, no, not
2: or they evolved to have Like make their own bee towels.
0: I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, they have. They could evolve little bee towels that like kangaroo flat, like kangaroo patches. Oh my god! Can you
2: imagine like sixty thousand tiny flying striped kangaroos? I'd watch the shit out of that movie
0: though. That
1: sounds funny as hell. Do you think we could breed them, Andy? Could could we do that?
0: Oh god! No, no, no. You know what? No. No kangaroo bees. We're not doing that. The world doesn't need kangaroo bees.
2: Says you. I mean, okay, then how would you suggest we, we fix this
0: leakage problem? So we we don't really know how nature deals with this. Some research think that the reason that the entire inside of a natural hive is covered in propolis is because then when the water drips down the sides of the hive, it pools at the bottom, and that propolis is so full of good stuff that the water actually, they can drink it and it's good for them, right? But this hasn't really been proven yet, and obviously that's not something we can do in a hive that we're opening up because the whole basis of that is having a hive that's basically watertight right the other part is that we've worked to breed out propolis production from the bees we raise in apiaries so they don't do that when we don't want them to right so we've got to get a little involved in this area or we breed some no. bees
1: and get the propolis production back
0: okay not what i thought you were you have say. so
1: little faith in me andy and I then know. they can store inside oh, the rod, their little me. towels <sighs> little propolis towel
0: hooks oh bait and switch matt Those are mean. Is mean. (laughs)
1: I'm trying to innovate. You're over here squashing. Squelching. I
0: I prefer the term squelching. I don't. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) your hive should have something that's moisture absorbing in it, since you know we can't recreate propolis for them. Uh, We can't, you know, like weekend at Bernie's. It. I don't get that one. I don't get it. Like prop it up.
1: Jesus, Andy. I mean, I'm just glad.
2: Uh, (laughs) I'm just glad he didn't say that the kids were saying it because they definitely are not.
0: They don't know. They think that means Bernie Sanders. And like, Weekend at Bernie's is like campaigning for Bernie, even though you're not going to vote.
1: Weekend at Bernie's means going to New Hampshire for a rally, (laughs) swing state.
0: (laughs) Anyways. Um, it's important like we said to have this space below the entrance so that the mites fall and can't climb up right but also to have this space for water to pool into unless you're going to have like a vent through the bottom of your hive which obviously means more heating for the the bees but that means they're going to need more honey to consume to heat which then means they're perspiring more and you see how this is not good right
2: yeah so each each type of hive seems to have to tackle the same problems just with different techniques and some geometry to solve it.
0: Yeah, basically. So the the goal is to limit air exchange, which limits heat exchange, but it also does mean moisture buildup, which, as we have pointed out, can be solved fairly easily as long as we plan for it. With these top bar hives between the extra deep frames that I had recommended and then this extra space at the bottom beneath the entrance, the total hive will come to at least like 20 or so inches.
1: Okay, so it's not a bed. It's like a coffin.
0: I mean, if you lay in it, yes, it's going to be your coffin. Correct. But I do think we should start decorating them like coffin. Like, think about it. Surprise, bees. I mean, I think that would be a fun Halloween decoration. Like a coffin, oh
2: my God. A coffin full of bees and you can open it for the kids you don't like in your neighborhood. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think it's a great way to combat grave robbers.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel like look, we need Nash's
1: input on this.
0: Yeah, we we don't spend enough time thinking about how to combat grave robbers, right? Like, that is an underappreciated, like... Defense mechanism.
1: You want that stuff in the afterlife. You think yeah. some, you want to all just, cost. Um...
0: taking all my stuff with me. <laughs> Seriously, though, these are big, long hives, right? And they can, because of this fact, I think they can be really intimidating for people that are newer to, to like production, right? Or newer to like beekeeping, right? Because it's like, you think smaller hive is easier. Therefore, it's the better option for me as a newbie. And I, I don't really think that's the case because I think this is just like, A really simple and like, you have to unlearn a lot of stuff when you start with Langstroth and then you switch. And I think people just, because you go into this and you don't know what you don't know, people like to buy things that are plug and play and top bars don't really fit that bill, right? There's less information in general on the internet about them, especially compared to Langstroth. Now, when we were researching this episode, most of the work being done assessing top bar success was really taking place in Africa, and they were having really good success. Um, I didn't keep any of the stats really, but basically they work really well in those climates. And that also speaks to the fact that they work good in general, right? Because I'm, I'm talking about most uh, primarily in this episode about the benefits of top bars and cooler climates, right? Because the bees can, you know, build up the the honey reserves that they need, but they obviously work in warmer climates too, which means they're, they're really a utilitarian way to, to raise bees.
2: I mean, I just have, like, coffin-shaped or coffin-styled area stuck in my head now. And I'm thinking of all the Halloween pranks and how you could do, like, a Halloween skit where you just totally my girl, like, <laughs> you my girl, your friends, I guess, and just unleash bees on them, and then everybody's sad.
0: I mean, they're probably not your friends if you're going to my girl them, Elliot. I don't I don't get that. Of course you don't. Goddamn zoomers.
2: Uh, it's an old movie. Uh, Macaulay Culkin... He's friends with the main character in the movie, and he goes to get her, um, I think she drops like a ring, or like a friendship ring, or a mood ring or something, and she drops it in the woods, and he goes to find it, and he finds it like under a beehive, and he is deathly allergic to bees, and he goes for it, and fucking gets killed by
0: bees. Oh.
2: I mean, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but.
0: But, but here we are laughing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So,
0: so uh, I think what we're saying here is that we're going to do them at Elliot's house and we're going to get like four hives. So when you guys see that in the news, like, you know, you know, I'm going to bring my swarm traps over this weekend, Elliot.
2: Okay, cool. Let's uh, put a pin in that for now, I guess.
0: So I think the point here is that these are, you know, getting back to the top bar hives themselves, they're really good hives that don't make sense for industrial beekeeping because, like, they're wide and not very tall and you can't stack them and all the things that are not good for industry, right? But they're really good for bees. So, you know, fuck industrial beekeeping.
1: I feel like we end a lot of episodes saying fuck something.
2: I mean, Andy's having a midlife crisis, so let him feel rebellious and
1: fuck things. Okay, but you can't. Like, what I'm saying is we kind of end this episode saying, fuck hives, because people are going to take that literally. And then, like, Jesus, like, we're going to have a lawsuit on our hands. This no, is going to be the what the court recording is for.
0: No lawsuits when you're in a bee suit, Matt. It's one first thing I learned about life when I got bees.
1: Oh, my God. You're going to try to Rory Susan Woods them. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, I'm going to. For those who don't know about Rory Susan Woods, Matt. Legend.
1: I I don't know the whole story. I think she was like being evicted. And You've been woods pilled. Don't lie. She just like rolled up with a trailer full of beehives to like in front of the cops and just started like opening them. Can and she we, was in a bee suit. Can we
2: talk about the premeditated part of that though? She <laughs> went and got like a U-Haul trailer and acquired fucking beehives. <laughs> like, like that's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's it is definitely. What like biological warfare in the first degree, <laughs> yeah, and that's the kind
2: of dedication and organization we need to like win all of our
1: battles, you know what that's true that is we need that sort of ethic
0: yeah it's if, if everyone can get woods pills real quick, that'd be great.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's happened more than once though. she's definitely not the only one to to fight the police with bees. I feel like the, there's got to be another story about that,
0: yeah.
1: <sighs> now, yeah. All right. Well, we sh- might end it there before this moves on to us being premeditated.
0: Yeah. Speaking of premeditated, what do we have coming next week? We are coming hot to you guys with some really
1: well, in the know. middle of bee season right now. We
0: are we are in the thick of bee season in right the now. Beesin. We are in the bees in We are getting honey pilled. We're not even getting honey pilled. We're getting like. Prop pilled here with the propolis. Nice. Elliot's building like mm. sixteen hives in his backyard. All shaped like coffins. All shaped like coffins, painted black.
2: I got horizontal ones. Skull I got ones heads that stand on them.
0: up, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. He's got one on he's got a projector for it so he can just like shoot it when he needs to, like in warfare. And hopefully
1: one built into a bed. I mean it's a coffin. Yes. It's a it's a forever bed.
0: Like remember yeah. there was that meme going around for a while about Cleopatra using like a I I can't remember if they put bees in something. It was it was a lie anyway. But basically, she was using bees for a vibrator, and like it's obviously not true. But it's There's like
2: that weird part of the internet that you found again.
0: <laughs> it was yeah, about I bees, know. Elliot. All right. I
2: just wanna, I just want to isolate that last line. That's fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah, we're... I think maybe we need to start into it, introducing some parental controls on and Andy's <laughs> internet access. I've
2: always wanted a parental advisory sticker
1: uh, we, <laughs> for we're all have of s- my work. There's going oh to be God. advisories. Don't worry. A parental advisory sticker on the
0: podcast. <laughs> Little album. Hell cover. yeah,
2: that'd be great.
0: <laughs> the first parental advisory sticker I remember was on Limp Bizkit's uh, five dollar bill <laughs> y'all album. So take take that as you wish. It was three dollar bill, Andy. Whatever. I'm old <laughs> now. I can't remember no Inflation, Elliot. Come I, on. Yeah, I know. It's fun. so sad. <laughs> uh so anyways, so yeah, we are done with the hive series, uh or part of the beekeeping. I think we're actually this might be the last episode except for a wrap-up on bees and some interviews. I'm gonna check that real quick. Oh my god! You. If you've made it this
2: far, go ahead and pat yourself on the back and do yourself a favor. If you're not allergic to bees or peanut butter, go ahead and make a mix some toast. Peanut butter? No, mix some toast and then put some peanut butter and honey on it. Maybe a banana mm. and just go ahead and smash that. Because I feel like that's a great way to celebrate bees. It's just really taste a good tasty snack.
0: Yeah, so we've got two interviews coming up after this week, and then we are on our last episode. We are talking about putting all of this together. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to love it. Oh, God. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared, too. Yeah, you should be. It's going to be real scary. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We will be back next week with some really good content. And until then, go find us on some other episodes, because you probably haven't listened to all 100 and... How many episodes do we have? 144 episodes.
2: 144 Damn. episodes. Sorry, I miscounted. We got, sorry, got, miscounted.
0: got, we got 146 episodes. If you have not listened to all of them, start at number one. Just put it on play. Do not turn off your phone for seven days until you get to the end.
1: Yeah, do that. I think that would be like a right. precursor to clinical insanity.
0: It could be. Don't take Matt's advice. I'm the smart one. I think the precursor, of, to, me. I think the pre-
2: precursor <laughs> to clinical insanity is thinking you have an idea to start a podcast.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. As every white man, yes, that is accurate. Every white man is a little bit insane. Uh, thank you guys so much. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We've been off the rails for a number of weeks, and I think the bees are getting to us. So, see you around. We're not going
1: back on the rails
0: anytime soon. I,
2: I feel like Nick Cage and Wicker mm. Man when I go to sleep at night. <laughs> The bees! The bees! Ah, not the bees! Alright, bye.
0: Thanks, bye. Basically, she was using bees for a vibrator.